0: Time for the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle. From the Frickers Studio. On Classic is 96.7 WBBI. On ESPN 1430 AM. And at 105.7 FM WFOB. The Sports Huddle is brought to you by NWO Orthopedics. Frickers. Warner Automotive. By Blanchard Valley Health System. Rotor Router. Bigby Coffee. By Northwestern Water and Sewer District. Wilson Tire. Grip by mj brown construction company premier bank campus polyis by financial design insurance agency snyder's flooring outlet ohio automotive Supply. seneca millwork five-star maintenance and by the Rumpy corporation and now let's go to lance and matt coming to you live from the bricker studio for the nwo orthopedics sports title
1: welcome on into this edition of the nwo orthopedics sports huddle from the fricker studios here on espn 1430 am 105.7 fm wfob lance morris matt common here with you thank you for making us a part of your wednesday night for this edition of the show matt how are we doing
2: we're doing good you know we're doing good it's it's been a it's been a interesting football season already to say the least it's been a, a fun one that's for sure getting into the uh tail end here the nitty-gritty is we're going to be approaching uh kind of those games where on paper maybe in week one or two it's like ah maybe that's not a big game that suddenly turns into a massive playoff implication kind of thing so this is such a great time of year for football i mean the nfl's going college football's going high school starting to get to the playoffs there there's other things that have happened in the world r.i.p portland trailblazers and probably any Eastern Conference team's chances of beating Milwaukee <laughs> due to the Damian Lillard trade. But <laughs> it's football season. The basketball stuff, that's all fine and good. Baseball stuff, yeah, postseason start, that's great. It's football season. Well, let's get after it. We got a phenomenal show on deck for everyone that is so football heavy and I love it.
1: Now we very much do. We'll of course talk with Kevin Harris to talk Ohio State and college football, the I said a bye week. Last week they play Maryland this Saturday. We'll catch up with Pandora Gamboa head football coach Matt Hershey. He has his Rockets rolling with another BVC win last week over Van Buren. They'll play Liberty Benson on Friday, a win would firmly put them in the driver's seat to win the Blanchard Valley Conference this season. We'll also talk of Finley High School's head football coach, Stephen Adams. The Trojans fell to Anthony Wayne in a single-point margin for their second loss of the season. They take on Perrysburg this week. We may not be physically at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials. Monday, Boneless Frickin' Chicken Wings Day. Tuesday, Frickin' Chicken Wings Day. tonight and get their sirloin steak dinner. Thursday, their Frickin' Chicken Chunks. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. You can pick up from the carryout window, dine in, or get delivery through DoorDash. Those daily specials are all dine in only. Download the Frickers app and find them online at Frickers.com and of course, don't miss our coverage of high school football coming your way this Friday. It'll all get started at 6 o'clock with the NWO Orthopedics Psych-Up Show from the Fricker Studios. Bart Wilson, Travon Hastings will preview all the games for Week 8 of High School Football. On Classic Hits we'll have a coverage of a BVC matchup Liberty Benton taking on Pandora Gilboa. Jimmy Nicholson and I will have that one for you from Pandora Friday on Classic Hits 96.7. And on WFB we'll have more coverage of the Fall Story Redmond. We'll be back at home to take on Lake. Matt and Tom Grind have that one for you friday on wfob and then stay tuned in after the games for the nwo orthopedics scoreboard show from the fricker studios to hear all the scores and recap of what we had take place on friday night and matt i know we've talked about you know fall has had an up and down season but this friday they take on a lake team and very good uh very good opportunity for Fawstoria to try and uh, get back on the winning track
2: it really should be i mean they they've just made it through their steamroll gauntlet closed iron fist of destruction portion of their schedule I mean my goodness it's just talk talk about tough breaks in terms of the way the schedule played out for them with how competitive the teams are this year but no I think it should be a good game I really truly like Fostoria's chances against Lake I think a lot of things that Fostoria does well Lake struggles against and for Fostoria to have even the slightest inkling indication, hypothetical possibility of playing a week 11 that 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 starts now. They're gonna have they have to win this one and they gotta do their best to try and win out in some capacity. But this should be a good barometer for them. should be a good game, should be an exciting one. One, I feel very confident that they can win as long as they do everything the right way. So it, it should be good. It'll, it'll be a, it'll be fun to see Faustori again and kind of, you know, get after it with what should be a good winning effort for them.
1: And on the flip side, in our uh, BBC game, Liberty Benton against Pandora Gilboa, if PG wins, pretty much all but wraps up the BVC for them because they don't play Arlington. I don't know if they really would have another game they could lose. But uh, if Liberty Benton wins... This, uh, that certainly opens up the uh, three-way tie and possibly even four-way tie, depending on if uh, a number of uh, other tiebreakers happen.
2: Oh, well, considering it's the Blanchard Valley Conference, I think it's inevitable that it'll be somehow a three- or five-way tie for first place, just because that seems to happen every year. And really, it is. it is. It's, it's high noon at the OK Corral. They really... This one is going to basically determine whether or not PG wins it outright, or if it does become some semblance of a three way tie or a two way tie, or if LB can win it outright. It's there's a ton riding on this game for the BVC and for really for playoff implications as well for both teams. I mean, Liberty Benton having a good year, PG, the year that they're having, they get a W against Liberty Benton. They can pretty much punch their ticket to a top four seed at that stage. I mean, it's it's really a lot riding on and should make for a very fun game for you guys. And you know, it's, it's a PG cover covered game. So maybe there's a Philly special in there that I'll get to miss once again. You never know. Well, well, we'll we'll all find out together, I suppose as the games are going on, but yeah, that one should be a phenomenal game. I really do think two, two very good games for different reasons for Fostoria, a game that could be a solid opportunity to get them back on the winning ways get them moving forward towards the last three two weeks of the season for your game i mean again it it's it's showdown time that that's you couldn't ask for a better thing to happen in week eight than a legitimate championship on the line kind of game between two teams like pandora Gobo and liberty bent it, it should be a great one with that was
1: aside for a quick timeout when we come back Talk with Kevin Harris from Meet at Midfield to come back and awful announcing here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. At Blanchard Valley Health System, we're looking for individuals to join our family of professionals.
3: We require compassion, dedication, and the desire to make a difference in a fast-paced healthcare environment. Jobs are available in clinical and support services we offer competitive wages and benefits. The culture of BVHS is unique and rewarding. Visit bvhealthsystem.org backslash careers to search our current openings. Blanchard Valley Health System, we're here for you.
0: Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto Owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense.
1: Ask Financial Design Insurance Agency in New Regal if Auto Owners makes sense for you. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Tunnel from the Fricker Studios ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB. Lance Morris Matt i here with you until 730. The Ohio State Buckeyes off last week after getting that close win against Notre Dame the week prior. This Saturday they take on Maryland. You can of course hear Buckeye football all season long on WFOB. We're now pleased to be joined by Kevin Harris, writer for Meetup Midfield along with the comeback and awful announcing and Kevin, they didn't have a game last week, so let's go ahead and get right into it. This weekend, they take on Maryland. A 5-0 team, even if they really haven't had any truly tough opponents so far through the early part of their schedule. What are some of the things we need to know about this Maryland team?
4: I, You know, I think this is a very solid team. I think they're one of the surprising teams in college football. I think everybody kind of expected them to have that uh, talented passing game. Yeah. Um, as, as they did last year. They really threatened th- I, th- I think this team really exposed Ohio State's Ohio State's secondary last year um more than you know a lot of teams. And Ohio State had trouble with this team last year. Um but you know I I think this is a surprisingly dominant team so far this year. And they're really well rounded. You know it's um it's we all kind of expected that passing offense to be really good um behind Tulia Tagovailoa. T- b- um but I mean their ground attack is really good. Their defense is, I believe, almost a top 50 defense all around in pretty much every category. Like this is a, a really solid team. It's baffling to me that it's it's not a ranked team, honestly. Um, but this is, I mean, easily outside of Notre Dame, the second best team Ohio State's gonna play or has played so far this year.
1: And it's also interesting just because you talk about them maybe being a team that should be ranked at this point in the year it wasn't too long ago that there was, you know, controversy. They had to let go of their head coach. That wasn't that long ago. So I guess what has allowed this team to, I guess, kind of flip things and get in a positive direction as quickly as they have, you know, compared to some of these other schools in the big 10, Nebraska comes to mind as the teams that have, you know, been struggling a little bit and kind of in limbo the last years, what has allowed Maryland to, to, I guess, just be as competitive, if nothing else, as they have been as of late.
4: Yeah, I mean, Mike Loxley's, credit to him, done a great job at Maryland since he kind of took over. Um, you know, it, it has not been that long. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of times it, it starts with, um, as usual in college football, it starts with recruiting. But more than that, I think for programs like Maryland and, um, you know, kind of these not they're not bottom tier but like the the next tier in the Big Ten um that's not I mean honestly probably they're like a third tier Big Ten team to be completely honest um it's probably like Ohio State Michigan Penn State in that first tier and then you've got your next tier which is your like Wisconsin's your Michigan State's um you know sometimes another team can sneak up in there but uh and then you've got your um your third tier and I think Maryland has been decidedly in that third tier but You know, when you're in that zone, you really have to now navigate the transfer portal. And I think they have done that really well. Um, I think that they, I mean, you look at the way that they've assembled their roster, like they're the perfect program that is not, I think Michigan State is is an example of a team that kind of relies too heavily on the transfer portal. Because the reality with the transfer portal is you are still getting guys that are for all intents and purposes rejects from another program and so like if you're building your entire program around those guys you're kind of banking on the assumption that every one of them are actually really good players but the coaching was a problem somewhere else and like that could be true but it's not extremely likely so I think what Maryland has done is they're not building their entire program or banking on transfer portal guys every year, but they are doing a very good job of really mixing in transfer portal guys, um, like Tulea, uh, Loa um, into their their team and um, you know, kind of going from there. I they're a very solid team. They have a lot of talent all around and they've recruited well from high school too. So um really that that's what it starts with. I I, I think it's just recruiting and um the players that they're bringing in
1: this is the nwo orthopedics sports huddle from the fricker studios talking with kevin harris writer from meet at midfield along with the comeback and awful announcing and you've you've alluded to the different playmakers kind of across the across the field for them on both sides of the ball we like you've, you've already mentioned with uh, with their quarterback of course who, who are some of these other guys that he's going to be getting the ball to that ohio state's going to have to look out for
4: yeah, I, I, I'm i more impressed with the ground attack this year. That's really what's got me. Um, Roman Hemby is a, you know, he's coming off a, a near 1,000-yard rushing season last year. And, um, you know, he's re- already kind of right on track there. Um, I think he has just over 300 yards through four games. Um, you know, it, it's it's not a, they're definitely not a run-the-ball team. Like, they are not a team that wants to, like, establish the ground game. And um, you know, dominate on the ground, kind of like how Notre Dame did. They are very much a a throw it team, but unlike when Ohio State played Western Kentucky, this is a team that will run the ball, and once that running game is open, will kind of make you pay. And they're very efficient running the ball. They rank five point one yards per carry so far this year, which is top thirty in the country. So like the offense in general is just you know very solid and i i I think that the you know inclination from an ohio state fan might be to just assume that this is a you know prolific passing attack and that is true in a sense um but I, i think one of the big things that i'm interested in heading into this game um is the running backs because i i think that has been the area frankly when you really look at ohio state where Ohio state has struggled, um, in, uh, like I hesitate to say struggled. Struggled is pretty strong. Um, has has had its problems. I think you saw against Notre Dame, how Notre Dame was really able to own the line of scrimmage in the second half and get chunks of yardage and Ohio state has not been able to really get negative yardage plays in the running game. So, um, I'm interested to see if they will be able to have any success against this, uh, Maryland running attack. And, um, Outside of that, I think the receivers—it's really just like a a well-rounded team, like in terms of uh, the receiving threats. Um, there's Deshaun Jones who's leading the or leading their team in uh, in or uh, in receiving yards. I mean, when you really look at this, I'm looking at their stats right now. They have four receivers that have 18 or 19 catches and all of them are between 214 and 319 yards on the season. So it's just, it's not really one of those offenses where there's one target receiver or two target receivers. It's just like the way the offense runs, it's just whoever's open is getting the ball in that play. So um, outside of that, I i think the, the two guys to watch are Tuala Tungvalola and uh, Roman Hamby, um, the running back.
1: And I think when you look at last year, last year was obviously a close game against Maryland. I think it was the game right before Michigan, if I'm remembering right. It but, was, yeah. But for, for them, you have the bye week, you have the close game against Notre Dame. This is basically just a complete fan perspective. I think that fans may, if, say, Maryland jumps ahead or if Ohio State has any sort of struggling on either side of the ball i think this could be a day where ohio state fans are like oh here we go again because of it doesn't matter that maryland is at least an average or above average team i think people are thinking oh well we just had that close game against notre dame unless it's michigan or penn state or whoever we should be blowing out the next team we play
4: yeah, and that th- that's probably fair. Um I and that probably will happen if it's not like a complete blowout, but I I sincerely think like just looking at the schedule right here, I I think this is maybe outside of Penn State and Michigan the best team left on the roster or on the schedule. Um so, I mean, I to be clear, like I do think Ohio State probably should handle this team and probably should win like decently big, but to I to that point, I think fans need to be a little careful with what their expectations are a little bit this year. it's not because Ohio state has been bad. It's just like when you really are, when you're really looking at what's happening around the country, I mean, Georgia almost lost to a terrible Auburn team um, after, you know, struggling against a a really bad South Carolina team too. So like there just aren't great team. I mean, Michigan, had, you know, was was trailing? Not maybe not trailing, but they were having trouble with bowling Green for a while. And JJ McCarthy threw three picks. Like there just are not terribly dominant teams, or teams that have just like swept away the field this year in college football. So like, if Ohio State comes out, and I'm not even saying this is going to happen, but if Ohio State comes out and beats Mar- uh, Maryland by like ten, um, and needs like a you know a late surge or something like that to beat Maryland, like. That's on par with all of the other national title contenders in the country if they do that. So um, I think last year you could look and say like, well, Ohio State is not they're not keeping pace with Georgia or, you know, some of these other national title contenders. And like that would be a, a fair criticism, but like, you know, the way that other teams are playing, there is no true dominant team in college football right now and so as long as ohio state is winning their games at this point it's kind of just like a survive and advance sort of thing you know maybe ohio state's not playing their best football week in week out especially in early october or september but that's not really a problem as long as they're winning the games at this point
1: this is the nwo orthopedics sports huddle from the frickers studios talking with kevin harris Ryder from meet at midfield along with the comeback and awful announcing and does allow me to kind of segue into firstly this is just because you brought up bg they did go on the road and beat georgia tech so let's not act like yeah, that bg's was, a terrible yeah, team. That was hilarious. it was hilarious they might not be very good but that's beside the point i just wanted a free chance to talk about bg but before we look ahead add to the different games you kind of alluded to it but let's kind of just look at the rankings Georgia's still number one michigan's two texas three ohio State four with Florida State at five. The rest of the top 10, you got Penn State, Washington, Oregon, USC, and then Notre Dame, and Notre Dame, the highest team in the top 10, uh, with a loss currently on their record through the early part of the year. Does that top 10, I'll say, does that seem right to you, or are there still some teams maybe that are just beneath the top 10 that you're maybe a little higher on? What are some of the things you uh, you would change with maybe some of these rankings?
4: Yeah, I think as much as I've been a Texas hater, I think what Texas has done so far this year, they probably should be the number one team in the country so far. Um, That went against uh, against Kansas this week. I mean, I thought they were going to lose that game. Um, You know, I know Kansas was without without its quarterback, and I'm sure that helps a little bit. But Texas just dominated that game, and frankly, left points on the field in a game that they won. I believe like forty to fourteen or something like that. Um, So I think Texas would be my number one over Michigan and Georgia. Um, I think. Florida State may be number 2. I think they have uh they I mean they've they've kind of sleepwalked through a few games here but um you know at the end of the day they are 4-0. They have a win over Clemson um and and LSU so those are two good quality wins. I think they'd be number 2. Outside of that, you know, it's kind of just a toss up. Um maybe Ohio State Ohio State probably has the best win of the next ones, so maybe Ohio State at 3 michigan maybe at four like it it doesn't really matter past that point but um i think the the interesting for me interesting thing for me is the um three team stretch of washington oregon usc um you can even throw washington state up there too like all of those pac 12 teams man like the pac 12 i'm not sure there's a team i think they might get um you know messed out of a a college football playoff spot this year because I don't really see like a realm of reality where any of these PAC 12 teams gets out of the conference with less than two losses. Like I think they're all probably going to have two losses at least um, coming out. So that's interesting for now. It'll be interesting to see which one's the best of them. If I had to guess right now, I'd probably say either Washington or Washington state are the the best of the, uh, the top Pac-12 teams Oregon obviously had a, a dominant win over um over Colorado but um I I think Washington is probably my my favorite of them but we're gonna see this week or maybe next week yeah it'll, it'll be this week we'll talk about that later but um I I think that's really the interesting thing to watch is what the heck happens in the Pac-12 um outside of that I mean like there just aren't a lot of impressive teams it is insane to me while we're talking about the AP poll the LSU is still ranked in the top 25 despite literally losing 40 percent of its games <laughs> so far like that's just like they're on pace to win seven games this year with this record and you still have them in uh the top the top 25 so I don't know that's obviously they've lost, lost to some pretty good teams um if you consider almost a pretty good team but uh yeah that that's that's probably the most glaring like there's no way this team should be ranked um, impression that I have looking at the AP people.
1: Let's stick with the Pac-12, as you mentioned, with Washington, Oregon, USC, all in the bottom part of the top ten. And I think, like I, th- I, think you and I and a lot of people around the country have, you know, talked about just how good the Pac-12 has been just throughout this year. You can throw, like you said, with Washington State in the mix. You got to still keep Colorado in the mix because they st- they showed last week. They were down, I think, 21 or maybe even more mm-hmm. against USC. They come back, make it a seven-point game. So looks a little closer on paper than it might have appeared early on in that game. But still found a way. I mean, you basically you have half of the, at least the Pac-12 teams that week in week out they can beat anybody just because pretty much all of those teams have some really dynamic offenses. Now some of their yep. defenses are not quite as good, but it, it, yeah, it's I'm I'm just so. Because like you said before, they're probably all going to at some point lose to each other just because of the nature of the Pac-12 this year. And I'm not going to, you know, we can't say it on the same level as some of these SEC teams from, you know, years ago because of how, you know, dominant they were kind of on both sides of the ball. But what exactly do you think we see? I mean, maybe maybe we see like Pennix comes away and gets the Heisman and that's kind of like the consolidation if they aren't able to make a playoff run, but... Like you said, Pac-12 teams and those offenses, I mean, they are certainly fun to watch, if nothing else.
4: Yeah, and I, I think even you're seeing, I think Oregon's probably a little more of a complete team. Uh, Oregon State and Washington, like they, they've got really good defenses too, or at least have, have played well on defense. Uh, Utah has got a great defense. Um, so, I, like, it's, it's not just offenses. Um, obviously, you've got, like, there's extremely good quarterback play uh, coming out of – um in, in, like in color or in, in not colorado in um in uh the pac 12 like just across the board the quarterback play is incredible i was joking with um one of my friends before we were watching some pac 12 games um and we were talking about all of the pac 12 quarterbacks that we would take over sam hartman um and it was very funny because like you're just naming off like starting quarterbacks there and it's like oh what I, there's i might you know <laughs> i like all of the pac 12 quarterbacks like they're all very good um and like so the quarterback play is incredible there um as you mentioned michael penix jr is probably the the cream of the crop um at least so far this season um caleb williams i mean obviously he's the reigning heisman trophy winner um but you know i i tend to think that penix is better positioned for a heisman trophy just because i think i think usc might have three losses this year i think they might have three or four losses um just based on the way that their schedule shakes out um you know, they still have to play Notre Dame and all of the rest of the Pac-12 teams. So uh, I it'll be tough, I think, for him to repeat as a Heisman Trophy winner when this team was expected to be like a top five team, a college football playoff contender, and he is, um, you know, it, they end up losing four, three, four games. So I, I tend to think that he will a little bit fade out of the Heisman Trophy co- competition, um, and Penix might kind of slip up there. But Man, yeah, like you're talking about comparing it to the SEC, um, maybe not like the SEC of, of like previous years, but man, like this conference is way better than the SEC right now. Like it's not even a conversation to yeah. me, um, like it top to bottom, like this conference is loaded, and the SEC is, man, like I I'm not sure there are many good teams in the SEC to be perfectly honest with you. Like you have to rank some of them because it's like somebody has to be ranked, but, um, man, like this is just a murderer's row for. Um, the Pac-12 and I think like there's some I've heard some talk that's like oh are these teams just all overrated and none of them are actually really that good like no they are these are legitimately very good teams like they're all like legit good um you know they're well coached teams they've got good players like this is this is the best conference in college football right now and it's going to be very funny if it doesn't produce a single team that can go to the um college football playoff and I think like that's the problem too is that the sec for all through all of these years has kind of gotten the benefit of the doubt where like, if a team gets beaten up in the sec, they're going to be like, well, this is still like the best team in the best conference. Like we'll let them through. I think Alabama's gotten through before um, with a a suspect record when they didn't even win their own division and they won the national title. I don't see that happening with the pac 12 this year. Like I think if a team has two losses, like they're going to be done. And that's going to suck for them because you know, it's a, an incredibly good conference with, I think, the best teams in college football. Like, in a 12-team playoff, like, this is a conference that probably would get, like, three in the in the top 12. So um, it just is what it is, but it'll be really interesting to see what happens come December.
1: So let's stick with the SEC now as we kind of compare and contrast. You have, in the East, you have Georgia, Kentucky, Missouri, and Tennessee are all ranked from the East. You have Florida that's in the mix, though, even though they already have lost a couple games. In the SEC West, Bama, LSU, and Ole Miss are all ranked, as you mentioned. Texas A&M also still in that mix, even though they do have a loss against uh, Miami from earlier on this year. It's like, okay, I think Georgia's good. Bama can be good. Maybe if they're playing anybody who's not like Georgia or Texas or maybe like the cream of the crop, I mean, we're going to kind of find out with uh, Kentucky this weekend when they play Georgia – but it's like, yeah, who are these SEC teams that we can truly say are good, even if you know things aren't matching up with some of these previous years?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. Like, I to be perfectly honest with you, some of these teams are just getting ranked on name recognition. Like that's that's just what it is. Like, I Ole Miss is not a good team. Um, I don't know how LSU lost to that team. The, like. Ole Miss is not gonna finish as the number 16 team in the country. It's just not gonna happen. Um, Alabama, as much as I've talked about Alabama, they're probably like correctly ranked at this point, like you know, in that fringe, like eight to twelve range. Their defense is legitimately very good. Their offense is not good and it's not going to be good this year. So, like when it comes to just like scoring points against teams and keeping up with teams, like that's just not gonna happen. Um, but like that that's that's a good team. Georgia. Georgia's tough like if you just like blindly looked at Georgia's resume so far there is not a chance that you would have this team is the you know number two or number one team in the country it, the only reason they are where they are is because they um are are the defending national title or the defending national champions. so that's tough but at the same time like it it, it makes sense um I The one SEC team that I have been pleasantly surprised with and I think is actually very good um, is Kentucky this year. I I am very excited about Kentucky. Um, They are like the purest like run and pound you sort of football team and then go over the top. Like they are what, like in my opinion, um, they are what like Notre Dame tries to be. And obviously they don't have as good of players. Um, they don't recruit the same way as Notre Dame does, but like schematically just the way that they run and then beat you over the top. Um, it's, it's kind of what, like, it's like a perfected version of what some of these other like run first teams do. Like, I mean, it's a perfected version. I, I didn't even mean to hate on Notre Dame. It's a perfected version of like what Penn state tries to do. Um, what uh, I don't know, even, um team like Alabama at this point this year it's just a a run and beat you up football team with a very strong defense so I am very curious to see what happens when they play Georgia um, because I think that is one of the the teams that has stood out as like a fun and good football team Um, Tennessee like come on Uh, Missouri I mean they're undefeated so you can't really talk too much about them but like some of these other teams it's just like you're, you're putting them in the poll just because you feel like you have to um, it's not because they've they've earned anything whatsoever. Um, LSU was the most egregious example of that. They got, you know, creamed against Florida State and then just lost to and gave up a, a fourth quarter lead to a who I think is not a good Ole Miss team. So um, I don't know. It's it, it is what it is. And the SEC is always going to get the benefit of the doubt for the previous years of very good football teams. But there just are not a lot of very good football teams in the SEC this year.
1: This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios, ESPN, 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. Lance Morris, Matt Common, talking with Kevin Harris, writer from Meetup Midfield, along with the comeback and offline announcing. Quick aside before we do look back and then look ahead, you mentioned Kentucky. It feels like Mark Stoops has been there for a long time, and I think he's been there like 11 or so years, so it kind of is starting to become a long time. Do we see him at any point go for one of these better jobs, whether it's big 10 or sec or elsewhere, because you talk about how good you think this Kentucky team is. You're always going to have kind of a certain ceiling at Kentucky because of being Kentucky. It's primarily a basketball school above all else. Where do you think we see him have any movement here at some point, or is he just kind of content with being at Kentucky?
4: yeah, you know i I truly don't know. Um, I will say that like some guys are just built for um kind of like that level of college football, I guess. and I think like, um i I think like in his case, he is very, very, very good at identifying and recruiting um kind of just like the next tier of player. And when you look at who he's recruiting against, it's, it's recruiting against Georgia, it's recruiting against like all of the SEC teams, but it's also recruiting against like Ohio State and Notre Dame and Michigan, because they go up into Ohio and like a little further north of where they are too. And he's not going to win any of those recruiting battles. And I think he's well aware of that. But the thing that he has gotten you know smart about is he is very good at identifying the the next tier of players or sometimes those guys that a team like Ohio State is going to like kind of wait and see how they develop and maybe offer them like late in their senior years and stuff like that Kentucky swoops in on those guys and gets them early and gives them a ton of attention and uh, really gets those like next tier um, recruiting wins over teams like Ohio State Michigan whatever so he's very good and him and his staff it's not just him are very good at identifying players and kind of those like diamond in the rough players that might not be getting a lot of national attention but are able to be developed and are good football players and hard-nosed you know fit the type of offense and defense that they type that they like to run and stuff too so like i think from that perspective what he and his staff are very good at like you don't necessarily have to do that at a bigger program so i don't see him necessarily itching to go somewhere else as long as i mean He's happy where he is, he's successful where he is, and they're not looking to run him off anytime soon because, you know, the same, like, it's Kentucky, it's a a basketball program or whatever. But um, I think that where he is and, like, kind of the avenue that he's in and the type of team that he has, he's very good at it just because of the nature of the way that he likes to recruit.
1: Looking back at last week in college football, we had Oregon State beat Utah last Friday. Notre Dame got that late score to get by Duke. Georgia, like we kind of said already, looked human, if nothing else, to get that uh, last score to beat Auburn. Texas beat up on Kansas. Washington beat Arizona by seven. Same thing for USC over Colorado. LSU will Miss, like we kind of alluded to I don't think they even tried playing defense based on how that (laughs) score went, and uh, Lane Kiffin uh, is able to uh, get the best of Brian Kelly. Florida falling to Kentucky. What were kind of some of your uh, big takeaways from uh, from this past weekend in college football?
4: Yeah, I I mean, I mentioned it to to start. Um, I think the biggest win, the most dominant win, was uh, that Texas win over Kansas. Kansas is a very good football team. Like they are, um, you know, a a, they have a strong defense, fun offense. you know, not an aired out offense, but not a, also not like a run offense. It's a very balanced offense. It's, I mean, they're a fun football team. They're a good football team. And I understand that Jalen Daniels did not play in this game. And I truly think that it would have been a little bit closer, especially in the, the first half, but man, like the way that Texas dominated that game from start to finish, um, especially, I mean, they took over in the second half, uh, just overwhelmed Kansas on the line of scrimmage um you know they were just creating plays on both sides of the ball and as i mentioned like frankly they just didn't they left points on the board too you know like it that game was that game was more lopsided than the score would indicate and texas still won 40 to 14 against a good kansas team so i've talked a lot of trash about texas said that i'll believe it when i see it when um when steve Sarkeesian wins more than eight games but that i mean so far they have earned every bit of what whatever lofty ranking they have and i think they should probably be ranked even higher than that so that was the most dominant win of the the week for me um you know you had notre dame duke uh man i, I think duke gave that game away <laughs> just uh, duke was outplayed notre dame for kind of the, the flip side of last week um I, I think duke outplayed notre dame for the vast majority of that game and then uh, Notre Dame just kind of made the plays at the end that needed to be made and came away with a win. So um, props to them. It was kind of the opposite of uh, the way Notre Dame lost to Ohio State when they controlled and frankly dominated a lot of the game and Ohio State was still able to come out and win. So guess it, it, what goes around comes around in that situation. Um, but I mean, that's maybe I, I I didn't look at I haven't looked at Notre Dame's schedule lately, but I think. That might be one of the tougher games that they're gonna play. They've got Louisville uh this week, but um yeah, I guess they've got Louisville, USC, and then Clemson. And those are all pretty tough games. But um, you know, they Notre Dame is is earning earning their spot too. Um but yeah, I, I guess uh the other one I guess to watch was Georgia Auburn. Um that was Auburn another one of those games where Auburn frankly outplayed Georgia for a lot of that game and then all of a sudden um Georgia seemed to just go with the throw it to Brock Bowers offense and (laughs) that worked well for them in the final like I don't know 10 minutes of the game or whatever but um yeah it was it was a fun week um fun week to for Ohio State to have an off week and just kind of watch and see what's happening around the rest of the college football
1: I'm looking ahead to this weekend's slate of games, have another pretty solid slate. You have Oklahoma against Texas, LSU versus Missouri, Kentucky versus Georgia, Notre Dame versus Louisville are all the ranked matchups. Do I have a couple of ones that are not ranked that could be interesting. You got Alabama, Texas A&M always seems to be a weird back and forth game when BAM and A&M have played these last few years, Syracuse, North Carolina, Wake Forest, Clemson and colorado arizona state matchup of some first-year head coaches what are some of the games you're looking forward to seeing
4: yeah i mean obviously the red river shootout is going to be interesting with oklahoma and texas i think like that game's particularly interesting because i have absolutely no idea how good oklahoma is (laughs) like they have just obliterated teams like they you know they beat arkansas state 73 to nothing uh tulsa 66 to 17 um you know a, a pretty good smu team they beat they won 28 to 11 um just like 2 weeks ago handled cincinnati uh, like so they are a a team that quietly has had no 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 problems or no struggles this season which like in a year of college football where everybody is kind of like sleepwalking through games it seems like you know every couple weeks um maybe that you know should deserve more attention that they are just taking care of business every week and we haven't really had to talk about Oklahoma. Um, so I'm interested to see what happens when they take on Texas. I think I, I even called it the red river shootout. Um, I mean, this is still a team that likes to to air it out or whatever, but I think Oklahoma has improved radically under um, on the, de- on the defensive side of the ball um, under Brett Vettables, who's the former defensive coordinator at Clemson. And um, frankly was the reason why Clemson had such, so dominant defenses, the, the years they won those national titles. Uh, so like they have radically improved their defense. And so I'm interested to see what that game looks like against Texas and how Texas fares against Oklahoma's defense. Um, especially Quinn Ewers, he has been, he's been good this year. Um, I I think pretty consistently good, but last year he was legitimately among the worst quarterbacks throwing downfield in the entire country. So it'll be interesting to see if he like reverts back to that or, um, whether or not he comes out and has another dominant performance the way he did against uh, Alabama earlier this year. So um, I'll, I'll be watching that one. Um, I will not be watching LSU Missouri. <laughs> They're going to trick you into thinking that one of those teams is good. That, listen, this is one of those like games where they they give two teams a ranking and then they say like, oh, well, you know, like whichever team wins this must actually be a good team. Like for sure, like if if Missouri comes out and beats LSU – it's definitely going to prove that Missouri is good, but actually it's probably just that LSU was, you know, maybe bad. So I'm not going to be watching that game, but I'm prepared for whichever team wins that game to be like, I don't know, ranked number 16 in the, in the next poll, Um, Alabama, Texas A&M. That's an interesting one because Texas A&M is not a great team um, or hasn't been a great team, but, all the advanced stats point to Texas A&M winning that game straight up um which is just interesting to me so I will be I will be tuning into that one too probably or at least keep an eye on it cuz I think that's going to be a pretty close game to the end and then obviously um I think the the big one is uh Georgia Kentucky um the way frankly Georgia has played this year like they nothing that Georgia has shown against teams with a remote pulse and that almost even includes uab nothing they have shown gives me much confidence that if they play the way that they have played they will beat kentucky and i know that sounds insane to say but like looking at you know how they played south carolina which i think is a bad team how they played auburn which i think is a bad team um and now they're playing kentucky which is a really similar team to auburn and is just much much better. I you know I I called an upset last week of of Kansas beating Texas and then Texas just turned it on and you know destroyed Kansas. Maybe that'll happen again this week, but like I cannot emphasize enough if Georgia just plays the way if what we saw against Auburn and South Carolina just is who Georgia is this year, they're going to lose to Kentucky. There's a chance that they just have like a second gear that they haven't shown yet and they're going to, you know, turn it on and um, actually turn into the good football team that like they hypothetically are. If that doesn't happen, this Kentucky team is has been better than Georgia this year. So I'm very curious to see that. It Georgia so far reminds me of like that 2015 Ohio State team that um, just kind of was sleepwalking through all of the um, all of the you know all of the early season games until they kind of reached an opponent with a pulse, which was Michigan State. Which derailed their entire season late in the season. So maybe it could be props to or uh, helpful to Georgia that they have kind of one of these wake up games earlier in the season. But man, I I don't know. I, I'm really curious to see how Georgia comes out because again, if if what we've seen so far from them just is who they are as a team, Kentucky's going to win this game.
1: This has been Meetup Midfield Rider, the comeback, awful announcings, Kevin Harris. Kevin, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. We'll catch up next week. Sounds good. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Pandora Gaboa, head football coach Matt Hershey on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Due to substantial growth at Morgan Advanced Materials, we're hiring and want you to join our team. If you're looking for a competitive starting wage, Morgan Advanced Materials has production operator positions starting at $19.76 an hour with a potential of up to $23.91 an hour. Join our team at Morgan Advanced Materials located in Faustoria. Call us at 419-360-9751 or head to MorganAdvancedMaterials.com to launch a career that strives to make this world a better place. Seneca Millwork is now hiring. They have a starting pay of $18.04 an hour with a raise to $18.31 after 90 days with a shift differential of $0.25 an hour for the third shift. Seneca Millwork offers medical, vision, dental, life insurance, and a 401k contribution. Apply online at SenecaMillwork.com or apply online through Indeed. Come work at Seneca Millwork located at 300 Court Place in Faustoria, Seneca Millwork, part of the Ropey Holding Company family. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you once again. This Friday night we'll have coverage of the BVC Pandora Giboa plays host to Liberty Benton. You can join Jimmy Nicholson and I for that one Friday at 7 o'clock on Classic Hits 96.7. We're now pleased to be joined by Pandora Giboa head football coach Matt Hershey here in the Frickers Zoom room. And coach, you you knew you had some big guys to replace Ethan Luganbill, of course, uh, one of the biggest uh, at the running back position. Kind of for you, going back to the offseason, what was it like uh, getting things ready and uh, getting ready for the start of the season this time around?
5: Yeah, so, you know, losing Ethan Luganbill and a guy like Wyatt Russell, who had been starters for us, you know, for a number of years, and you know, obviously the production that they had on both the offensive and defensive sides of the ball was, was very crucial for us. But, I mean, thankfully, we had a great senior class coming in, you know, led by Aiden Morris and Colin Harris. And, uh, you know, Carson Meyer returning again. So we felt we had a lot of good pieces. We just needed to bring some of our younger guys around a little quicker than than they probably wanted to. But, um, you know, having such great leaders like an Aiden Morris and a Con Harris just makes things easier.
2: Yeah, and Coach, just going on with that as well, bringing in some of those younger guys, it seems like that's kind of been a staple of your program over the last few years where it's, oh, how do they replace insert big name here? Suddenly there's some young guy that just was happened to just be chilling on Friday nights playing some JV or freshman that comes in just rolls. How, how much of that is just a credit to the program or really just a credit to the kids on the team really buying in and that just growth happening naturally within the program?
5: Sure. And and I, I do give a lot of credit to the kids. You know, they're the ones putting in all the time and effort um and in uh, two a days and all summer long when their friends are at the pool and things like that. So our kids put in a, a ton of time. And I think that should go uh, or should be recognized at least. But, um, you know, we've had a good run here the past seven or eight years of being able to uh, to continue to to get kids, you know, to uh, perform at a high level. Um, and I, I think our JV, if you look at our JV records, they're never very impressive. But the goal is for those kids to get reps, just to play some ball, learn the game and and have some fun and then you know we'll, we'll we'll see who who can play on friday nights you know as the season gets started and and luckily for us we we've had a number of quality players here over the years
1: Talking with Pandora Gabella head football coach Matt Hershey on the NWO orthopedics sports huddle from the Fricker Studios. Once again, you guys did have a tough non-league schedule this year. Columbus Grove, Bluffton, and Lipsick. I know that's been, I think, maybe the same as last year, but regardless, what is it like kind of making sure you have those teams uh, set up for your non-league schedule uh, basically year in, year out?
5: Well, i tell you what, this year it was tough for us. Uh, You know, last year we we went two and one in those games and this year we flipped it, but, you know, we, we were able to beat our, our rival Columbus Grove, which is a huge win for our program. And then, you know, we took two very talented teams in Bluffton and Lipsick, you know, right down to the wire. And, you know, if you look at Bluffton's seasons uh, so far this year, you know, I think they've given up 28 points and I think 21 were to us and, you know, Lipsick as well, just lost their first game to Columbus Grove here this past week. So we, we played quality teams and, and, you know, it 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 wasn't easy for us this year. It took a couple of bumps, but you know, I, I think that set us up for for the BBC schedule. And you know, our, our kids are battle tested and, and they're ready to go.
2: And coach, when you look at that non conference schedule, it what are you, uh, when just it's a tough schedule. I mean, there's no gain around it year in and year out. Obviously, have, having a team like Columbus Grove as your rivalry game, I don't think there's many teams in the area that would envy that situation. Uh, how much do you feel? even in a situation like this year, one and two coming out of that non-conference that really sets you up for that postseason play and those tougher opponents later on. Cause let's call it as it is. You guys had a tough non-conference and you kind of been rolling since you hit conference play at this point. It seems like even the losses, you guys got some really good benefit out of those games.
5: We did. And like I said, those teams are are quality opponents. They're they're all going to be in the, in the playoffs. So, you know, just learning about your team you know it, it's easy when when you win 60 to nothing to to say oh we can throw we can run or we can do this and that but you know it's tough when you have to figure some things out about your young team and and especially in the in those those close games you know you you kind of learn what your identity is and who you can lean behind and and you know things like that so uh will we like to win you know all of our games absolutely but yeah you know, we'll, we'll take our our uh our lessons from our losses against Bluffton and Lipsick, and uh, you know, again, it, it, it's all about just you know being being tested. And, and our our kids aren't aren't shying away from it; that they're they're embracing the challenge. And and you know, for us being Pandora Gilboa, small D seven school, that uh, they're doing a heck of a job right now with you know injuries and all those things piling up. It, the, the eleven kids that we put on the field, you know, in, in whatever situation it may be, are, are playing extremely tough and physical football right now.
1: This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common, talking with Pandora Gaboa head football coach Matt Hershian. With uh, some of the transition of the guys that you lost from last year, the offense for this season has been a little different than some of the years past with having you know Ethan Luganbill at running back. You were more kind of run dominant. Now it's kind of shifted to a little bit more of a pass heavy scheme even though you still do of course run the ball when you need to what kind of went into that change was it just purely based on who you guys had you know coming back this season or what what all went into that
5: well we've traditionally been been a uh passing team i, I would say and you know last year with ethan you know and, and having a brand new quarterback uh you know ethan being a 2000 yard rusher was was a little bit different for us but so we leaned on him heavily and, and this year you know, we had Colin Harris back, Aiden Morris back. You know, we, we didn't quite know offensive line if we were going to be able to to move people around. So we just you, you got to find ways to get your dudes the ball and our dudes were receivers. So that, that just lent, you know, an easy transition of throwing the ball more. But as we've been more successful throughout the season, we, we've gained a rushing attack. And, you know, Andrew Miller has been able to go over 100 yards now for a couple uh, games. I think he's he's close to 600 yards in the season. Um, and, you know, he, he missed week two to, uh, due to an injury. So we, we've become a little bit more balanced than we started out. But, you know, I, I think that helped our running game is our ability to throw the ball down the field You know with an Aiden Morris, with a Chase Meyer, with a Carson Meyer. You know, I, I think the defenses are they have a little bit of a lighter box for us. And Andrew's making teams pay right now uh, with, with the running game.
2: getting the ball into the hands of our dudes might be an understatement. I mean, the way Colin Harris and Aiden Morris have been playing, uh, can can you just talk a little bit more about their performance overall? You've mentioned their leadership qualities. You mentioned that you want to get the ball in their hands. Just if you could just talk us through what level of comfort does that give you of, Hey, I know we can throw it up and nine times out of 10. One of our, one of our two dudes is going to come down with it. Does, Does that help open up the offense more, make it a little easier for you guys or, it become more of a chess match in your own head of okay how do we get the ball to so and so now how do we get to Aiden how do we get uh how do we get Harris going a little bit more is that just go with the flow of the game
5: yeah you know what a lot of times it, it just goes with the flow of the game and, and what the other team is, is doing defensively to us but it, it is extremely you know easy as a coach in certain situations when you know you may not have the best call lined up but knowing you have those guys on the outside that are going to make you look good and and they're helping Corey Gurton, our sophomore quarterback, out immensely. You know, it's a shame Colin is is injured and, and probably won't be able to make it back for the rest of the season. But, you know, Aiden has been doing a great job. You know, he's an all-state player for two times now. So, um, again, getting them the ball and, and you know, finding ways to, to get them in space is, is key for our coaching staff. But those kids make us look good a lot of times.
1: Along with Pandora Gaboa, head football coach Matt Hershey on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers studios. You mentioned your quarterback, uh, sophomore Corey Girton. A two-part question just about him and his abilities in general. Can you confirm whether or not, and this is, I heard this from sources in past games last year, he didn't really want to play football because he knew he was going to be the quarterback. Can you confirm whether or not that was true or not?
5: I, I think there was some, some hesitation, you know, I, I, growing up, you know, he had been a, a running back slash receiver type thing and, and, uh, you know, kind of wanted to play those positions, but, you know, there's no denying that that he has, he throws a, a, a very beautiful football, nice tight spiral. He, he can put it in places that a lot of people can't. So, um, you know, last year we, we went through a handful of quarterbacks and until so we finally had to go to Corey and, and, you know, basically say you're our guy now. You know, we we had Carson Meyer, uh, who started the first six games. Tanner Lichty started the next couple of games. And then due to injuries, you know, we went to Corey. And last year against LB was his, uh, I wouldn't say was his coming out party, but he came in, in in the second half of that game and played extremely well and gave us a chance to win. So uh, to answer your question, I don't think quarterback was his first choice, <laughs> but he's embraced it and uh, he's doing a heck of a job for us.
2: You know, Coach, we we could definitely talk about the offense. It's been high scoring, very prolific throughout the season. But flip side of that can be said too. Your your defense has been pretty steady as she goes throughout a majority of the season. Can can you walk us through what's been working defensively for you guys and what what you're seeing from that side of the ball as we get in the backstage of the season.
5: You know, it, it's kind of the same thing as our offense. You know, you start each year with with a plan in place, and you know, not knowing if certain kids can play these positions and, and and whatnot. And you know, again, we're a small school, so we're we're kind of piecing things together. You know, putting guys in positions that they maybe you know traditionally would not fit into. But you know, once we we kind of figured out our lineup, and and you know, getting Andrew Miller back in the middle has really helped solidify our run defense. And you know, we've we've got a couple of guys on the D line that are that are, are you know, type of kids that we just didn't think could play. And they're proving that they can play and, and they're doing a nice job. And our secondary was all returning. So we felt pretty good about our secondary, um, you know, being able to to help shut down the pass. But, you know, uh, our biggest problem we've had defensively over the last few years is big plays. And you, and you can even see in our two losses, we gave up, you know, some big plays that, that really hurt our defensive statistics on that one. Um, but when we, you know, eliminate the big plays, like against McComb, you know they, they got a couple of rushes for ten plus, but they didn't break the big one against us. And and it's extremely hard, you know, to to score on our defense if if we don't allow big plays. If we make teams work, you know, move the ball consistently down the field, it's, it's tough on teams. And and you know, credit to our defense for for making some changes and you know, figuring some things out. And and they're playing extremely well right now.
1: You may have answered this next question, but I'll ask it in maybe a semi-different way. On a four-game winning streak, as we've alluded to, Arcadia, Macomb, Worthington, Christian, and Van Buren, has not giving up those big plays, has that been kind of what you would call your secret sauce to getting that uh, little streak of wins, or are there some other things you can kind of accredit that to as well?
5: Well, defensively, of course. You know, not be, not letting teams just, you know, hit big plays, you know, 60, 70 yards, that, that kind of one, change momentum. And, and two, you really make you make you think, what what are we doing wrong? You know, it, it it's high school football. You know, it, it's tough on teams to move the ball consistently down the field. You know, as an offense, we hate it, too. We're looking for big plays as well. So um, I, I, I'd say defensively, you know, in, in this stretch, you know, our ability to create some turnovers. I think we went the first three weeks without creating any turnovers. And now now we've gotten a couple of fumbles and uh, a handful of interceptions i think we're at five or six now so our defense getting the ball back for us and you know offensively just you know continuing to do what we do um i think we've only punted you know three or four times in the last four weeks so that that's a pretty good stat
2: that definitely is a good stat now i i guess a slight follow-up question so what is your punter doing with his free time does like is he getting his homework done on the sidelines is he get, getting uh to getting in the ear of the coaches of, hey, maybe I could be wide receiver, tight end, running back, like, what, what, what's he up to? Sure.
5: Well, you know, again, Pandora Gilboa. You know, we we ask a lot of our kids, and and our leading punter right now is Aiden Morris. So you know, he's our defensive captain, he's our offensive captain, and you know, he, he's he's handling the punting do, uh, duties for us as well. And when Aiden doesn't, it's Corey Gerton's job to punt. So you know, we we ask our guys to do a lot, and and you know, sometimes special teams gets kind of you know, forgotten about, but it, it is a third of the game. And so we, we have our, our, our best guys doing those
2: jobs as well. You, you know what coach now I feel kind of silly. Cause it's like, of course, Aiden Morris is also the punter. What I I, I should have assumed that instinctively. but yeah, uh, I, I, I appreciate you being nice about it. I appreciate yeah. you being nice about it. Thank you. <laughs> absolutely.
1: Talking with Pandora Gibbo head football coach Matt Hershey on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios, WFOB, ESPN, fourteen thirty AM, one hundred five point seven FM. Looking ahead to Friday night, you guys take on Liberty Benton, and kind of in a similar vein to you guys, they've been rolling since an early season loss. What are some of the big things you've uh, seen from them and getting ready for Friday? I,
5: the biggest thing is is they just don't have weaknesses. You know, they, they I wouldn't say they're an extremely flashy team, but they get big plays offensively and defensively. They're very stout, you know, just across the board. They've got quality, you know, all league type players at, at every position. So they they really make you earn everything that you get. And, um, you know, they, they do have some speed. You know, the Elkirk twins are, are good athletes. Their quarterback, Mason Mott, is, is a great athlete, too. And, you know, they got some some big physical linebackers and and it, they just do so many things so good that it's going to be quite the challenge for us.
2: And when you look at a matchup like Liberty Benton, you mentioned they do a lot of things very well. Uh one of the things that I I'll just be honest, I've been impressed about is kind of the same thing I've been impressed about with you guys, just the steadiness and consistency within the program year in and year out for Liberty Benton. What what what's something you can say about that, especially when you guys have really been kind of the one in one A and along with Macomb over the past several years in that BVC? Is it is it put any increased oomph behind the game of like hey these are one of the guys that we're usually competing for a title against or that do you really need a more billboard material against a team like lb
5: yeah i mean i i think the the game itself you know provides as much motivation as you need you know the the winner of this game will will um you know put themselves in the driver's seat for the bbc championship you know and 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 for us that's huge um we've won one title since i've been here and we're looking for a second one and you know just to when you start the season one and two, you know, you really have to figure out, you know, what are our goals now? And and we still had all of our, you know, BBC title and playoff goals on the table still. So we you know, we're very fortunate about that. And, and we're looking at at this game as a potential championship, you know, style game for us. So um, you don't have to look too far for motivation on this one.
1: And with the, with that being the case, being a, possibly bvc title matchup on friday do you expect the atmosphere over at pandora to match that kind of intensity that this game should just by nature of the matchup provide
5: i hope so you know it'll be a nice night hopefully and you know we'll we'll pack you know rocket field and and uh, you know hopefully it's loud and and our fans and their fans come together and and it's a great high school football game uh you know there's a lot of a lot of good quality football in northwest ohio and and you know, we're we're just you know happy and, and thrilled that we can be in that conversation, you know, this Friday with a with quite the matchup with Liberty Benton.
1: This has been Pandora Gaboa, head football coach Matt Hershey. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. Good luck on Friday against Liberty Benton.
5: Appreciate it. Thanks, guys.
1: With that, what's up aside for a quick timeout? When we come back, Bart Wilson will catch up with Foss Story head football coach Derek Kidwell on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios.
0: It's cash for cars at Warner Economy Corner in Findlay. Not much has changed with the shortage of good quality used cars, but Warner Economy Corner is looking to buy. At the corner of Blanchard and Blanchard, Warner Economy Corner is paying cash for cars. Bring your vehicle down to the guys at Warner Economy Corner and go home with cash in hand. Warner Economy Corner is buying cars and making deals. Open daily Monday through Friday.
1: The Northwestern Water and Sewer District now has two watersheds in Fostoria to get pure water at a low price. Watersheds are located off of Plaza Drive on the north end of town, and our newest location near 4th and Findlay Streets. If you don't like the taste of well water, try watershed water. Just bring your own containers and fill up for a quarter a gallon. Try watershed water today. For all locations, go to nwwsd.org.
2: NWO has news. We are excited to announce the newest addition to the NWO family. Dr. Ryan Tran is a local who was raised in the area, trained by the Cleveland Clinic, and has returned to his hometown to care for your whole family, just like he does his own. Dr. Tran is now accepting new patients of all ages in our Tiffin office. Make your appointment today to experience the benefits of family care by a hometown professional. There's only one place to go. NWO. Saying goodbye to
3: summer is less sad when you realize your favorite fall flavors are here at Big B Coffee. Celebrate the return of our sweet foam pumpkin cold brew, pumpkin spice latte, and our caramel apple cider. Pair these delicious fall sips with our maple waffle sandwich or pumpkin muffin. Available for a limited time at one of the two Big B Coffee locations in Findlay. One on Trenton Avenue and one on Tiffin Avenue
1: into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB Lance Morris Matt Common here with you once again the Finley Trojans fell in a close one against Anthony Wayne last Friday this Friday they take on Perrysburg in another tough NLL matchup we're now please be joined by Finley High School's head football coach Stefan Adams here in the Frickers Zoom room coach we'll get right into it this time tough loss for you guys against Anthony yeah. Wayne what were some of the big takeaways for you for your team from week seven
3: yeah no um you know I, we, as we talk to the guys about it all we always talk about face to facts right face to facts the facts are that we lost um we stand in front of it you know i stand in front of it um you know it was a dirty game that we had to kind of win when i said dirty game it's been something that's very different than what we felt the last uh you know so many weeks so um within all that though uh our, our kids fought they battled um they gave max effort the way we 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 talked about um they they did a good job of stalling a little bit and and keeping our offense up the field and not allowing us to get into a rhythm um but at the end of the day we we, in order to be a good program those are the games that we have to win uh like I said before two years in a row um it's come down to to a matter of points and uh you know we're we're still trying to figure out how to win those games and it's, it's my job to make sure that we're prepared to do that um if it showed itself again
2: yeah, and coach with that i mean obviously the the offense has been absolutely on fire for really that entire five probably the whole five game winning streak that you guys were on there and obviously yep. anthony wayne ca- kind of got things a little bit more in check there for you guys did, did they throw anything different at you that maybe weren't necessarily expected, or was it just good good effort from anthony wayne once again
3: no i think that's the cool part about coaching right it's uh you start Megan having a question when you go back to the film you know initially when you're on the sideline you have so many thoughts and feelings on it all but you know for me it's more of when i have the opportunity to go back to the film room and sit down and watch it with a clear mind you start to ask the simple question of was it a physical error or was it a or was it was it an execution error or was it or were there schematical errors right and of course we can always kind of look at the at the schematical part of hey could have done this, should have done this and, and all that. But then on some, on some aspects, you're like, okay, well, then if we could have executed a little better if uh, a pass was in our fingertips. Right. You know, how could we have gotten it in our hands? Um, You know, little things that I think could have really changed the complexion of that game. One or two things here that could have given us a more comfortable lead. Right. So there there was a mix of both. Right. A couple of schematical things that we wish we could have back. And then there's also the execution errors of where if we would have executed and Uh, Made a catch here, made a tackle there. Things could be very, very different.
1: This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common talking with Finley High School's head football coach, Stephan Adams. Ryan Montgomery and really kind of the offense as a whole really struggled to get things going. What did Anthony Wayne do defensively that kind of kept you guys from getting into that rhythm? Well,
3: no, I think think the biggest thing is they, you know, as far as, you know, they they tackled well. You know, we've been able to elude, uh, break some tackles. We've been able to elude guys in space and, you know, we kind of pride ourselves on being able to put our guys in space to make uh, guys have to tackle. And they just tackled well. They tackled well. They came up. They they were, they were good tacklers. They were fast to the ball. Um, and like I said, they just did not allow us to get into a rhythm, you know. And uh, a lot of our big time guys, our big time playmakers typically, you know, make that guy miss. And it was just one of those games where it didn't happen. And, uh, you know, still nonetheless, though, right? It was still a 14 14-12, 14-6, 14-12 game at one point in time. So, you know, we we had the advantage, we had the win, we had the edge. Uh, they did a great job of responding and getting their team down the field the last, the last so much minutes and uh, not getting the ball back to us. But, um, you know, yeah, I think it's just one of those things where it's like, we've made guys miss, we've been in space, we've been able to do that. It, it didn't happen for us this game and that's a hats off to them.
2: And from a defensive side of things, obviously, <clears throat> the last couple minutes of the game, notwithstanding, you guys did hold Anthony Wayne really to 12 points until those final couple minutes of the game. What were some of the positive takeaways defensively that you saw from your squad that, yeah, it's still a loss, but there, there's some things to build off of going into this week against Perrysburg?
3: Well, I think like you said, we, we, we always talk about getting stops, right? And I think this defense has been more than just getting stops. They've gotten stops and they've limited teams to under what they kind of hold their hats on um they played well they battled uh you know and you know even kind of talking after the game and moving forward you know yeah used to often scoring so many points we didn't do that and you know in their minds you know what you know we were on the field uh at the end of the game and we had opportunities to make plays and we didn't make plays and that's kind of that championship mindset right like hey no matter what, what's going on no matter what side of the ball is doing this or doing that whoever has an opportunity to go out there and and, and help spark or provide the the win or help attribute to the win, yeah, let's go do that. So they play hard, they play hard, they, they're physical. Um, you know, they they got after it, you know, we limited the kind of their big plays and things they had for a long time. Uh, they were just able to pull a couple off and a couple contested, you know, one-on-one catch. It was just a matter of their guy's a little taller than our guy. <laughs> you know, it wasn't a matter of lack of an effort or anything like that. So no, I just think our kids battled. I mean, they're, they're playing well and they're getting stops. We didn't play well enough to get the win. Um, But overall, if you look back at it, you know, they play hard and just came up short.
1: Talk with Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams, here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. As we've said, back and forth game, close game all throughout the night. Who are some of the guys, if you haven't pointed them out, that you'd like to highlight from uh, from last week's game?
3: Well, I just think you can't discredit uh, a kid like Barrett Helms who, uh, you know, you can call it what you want undersized, you know, but scrappy, you know, he's our free safety. He gets the guys lined up in the back end, uh, in the defensive backfield. He works extremely hard daily to get better at his craft. He's uh, been a starter for us all year long, has been very dependable and reliable. Uh, he's been just uh, fantastic and he's been an awesome contributor for us and an awesome leader uh, for us as 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 well, too. I uh, think I've gone back a little bit. I got to point out, you uh, know, right tackle Ben Mueller. He's an undersized guy. Um, you know, but he battles, he fights his butt off, he competes. I think our line, I think I talked about him before, they just scrap and scrap and scrap and scrap, you know, until they can't scrap anymore. So just, just proud, proud of just certain individual efforts, uh, but I think it's contagious amongst that group, but we still got some to prove. I mean, that, that's the challenge for myself. That's the challenge for the group is to go out there and prove and compete that we can win these big games.
2: And when you're looking at those types of games and having the team, you know, kind of rebound from that. What has been the the vibe, the the energy level at practice this week from the team? Was it a little bit surprised or is it just been more, hey, steady as she goes, on to the next week kind of situation?
3: Yeah. Our, our seniors, man, they've really you can sense the there's always been a sense of urgency, right? You know, and today gives me a true sense of kind of where we are because really Monday Monday's kind of your big mental day, right? Like I've been thinking, they've turned the page. It is what it is, right? We had opportunities, we didn't capitalize. Okay, let's get back to the drawing board and get working. You know, but Monday's is really kind of your mental day. Tuesday, you start really adding some branches onto your game plan. But really Wednesday, you're essentially finalizing the game plan. So really today kind of tells me about where we are as a team. Um, But I do feel overall that the seniors just know I'm only guaranteed three more, right? As far as what's on the schedule. So you can really feel that sense of urgency with them, uh, even to the point of like agitation. And when I say agitation, I just mean, you know, if they don't feel that people feel the same way they feel, they are holding them accountable. Um, because right, you're a freshman. You think life things last forever. You're a sophomore. You think things last forever. You're a junior, you know, all right, but it's getting a little closer now than senior that times running out. Right. And some of these guys, you know, are going to have opportunities to go play at the next level, and some aren't. So you can just feel that sense of urgency of we only got so much for these guaranteed. You know, we need to take advantage of this practice and this 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 day.
1: I'm looking ahead to this Friday night. You guys take <laughs> on Perrysburg, six and one, and they suffered their first loss of the season uh, to Whitmer last week. So what are some of the big things to look uh, look at from them this time around?
3: Yeah, um, you know. Uh, I, I, <sighs> We feel like we, you know, you turn on the film from Anthony Wayne to Perry'sburg, which has kind of been our, our, our stacked. Uh, when I say stacked, I meaning like that's how it's been the last couple of years. You know, you play right. one first, play the second next. You know, there's a lot of similarities there. Um, you know, uh, you know, obviously uh, Coach Brungard came from Perry'sburg uh, to get to and went to Anthony Wayne. So there's still some carryover. You know, that toughness, uh, that mentality. You know, good skill, big physical guys, uh, big physical presence. You know they do a lot with being able to use their quarterback both as a runner and as a passer. Um, they obviously are uh, offensively a pass for or a run first team, but have the skill to hit it over top of your head as well too. And then defensively, um, you know uh, Mike Mike Ward, the defensive coordinator, there is guys that have collegiate experience. You can just tell they're well coached. They're very sound and fundamental, and they fly around to the ball and they don't do anything on special teams to to hurt themselves. So you know another playoff like game for us. Uh, another another opportunity to to win a game however the game calls for uh you know that calls we have to put up points we have to put up points right because calls the defense getting stops it get stops if it calls for a low scoring game we got to be able to go out there and win whatever is provided to us so another opportunity to prove ourselves right like I've said all year long
2: and looking at this game as you said great way of playing it in my mind another opportunity to get to prove yourselves prove this team as a contender and as a real force in the conference at, at this point, a team like Perrysburg, obviously coming into it, six and one, very competitive, tough loss for you guys, the Anthony weight, not to give any billboard material. Cause I, I I'll take, I'll take my juice at the end of this, where I can get <laughs> to the running through a brick wall. But is, is there any thought in your mind about Perrysburg maybe coming into this like under underestimating you guys just a little bit or maybe not putting the full thought into this game or maybe even looking ahead a week ahead potentially because it's, it it seems like this is a good matchup year in and year out. I'm just, I'm curious your thoughts on that after the tough one with. Uh, Anthony Wayne.
3: No, I, I think they're, you know, I think they're in some ways in a similar boat, you know, I think just from a mindset of tapping into that coaching, my mind, coach's mindset, right? Like, you know, they, they, they just, They came off a game and they lost and i think they're irritated and frustrated about it too i think um that they are confident in themselves and confident in their coaches and their players you know they feel they can compete with a whitmer and they can win that game against whitmer so you know i I don't i think they're i don't think there's any underestimation i think they have an opportunity it's going to be military night it's uh at their home place which provides a phenomenal environment Mm -hmm. um they're going to be rowdy they're going to be excited to come out here and you know, we were always we, we always understand that we're prepared, and we always get everybody's best shot. I mean, we're you know, I don't know why or what it is. I mean, I, I do know what it is, but you know, people have a feeling, and people want to play Finley, and people want to beat Finley. Um, so you know, we are, we understand it. They're they're, like I said, someone in the same boat. We're we're in the same boat of wanting to be able to go out there and. Uh, go get this win. I mean, that, that, that's what it's about. Go out there and play and play hard and go get this win. I, that's the mindset that we're carrying and we understand the mindset that they're going to kind of have coming off of the loss as well, too. And, you know, they're going to want to come out and try to dominate us, right? And then we're, we're, we're going to come out and try to do the same thing. So there's no, I, I wouldn't call it like Bolton with the board material. I think we're just both in a similar spot where we want to go out and prove ourselves right, like I said prior.
1: Talking of Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams on the NWO Orthopedics. Sports Auto here from the Frickers studios. And I know last year when we talked about him, Perrysburg had, you know, kind of the two-headed monster with their quarterback and running back. I know both of them have since graduated and are on to playing their own levels of uh, Division One sports at the next level. Can you kind of compare and contrast uh, the guys they have that are leading the charge this year compared to some of the seasons prior?
3: I, I would say, I mean, what, I mean, look, number, Josh is uh, the quarterback is his little brother of uh, the older brother, you know, oh. uh, from last year. So, I mean, you're, you're, you're looking at a very similar, obviously, kid and and, and a similar skill set can throw the ball well, uh, but also is a very good runner as well, too. Um, you know, Nick Oros is a, is a captain for them, they're at running back. And, you know, I, I think the kid's pretty darn good. He's a very good running back. He's physical. Um, he's got good speed and can finish well. Uh, he's not much of an east west guy. He's more of a north the north south get north get north get vertical now and go score uh, kind of guy. So I would say those that that combo is relatively similar. Obviously, you know years of experience that uh, you know uh, the two seniors had last year, the guys that are in college now, that, that it was invaluable how long they played varsity football. But I could see this group kind of being you know very similar in as far as their skill set goes. Obviously, Connor Walsyak's not a, not an easy guy to replace, right? Um, but at the same time, you know, I always say any sign of a good program when you have an identity is being able to plug kids in, uh, each year, year in, year out in the same spot, and then still look very similar. Um, and that's kind of where a team like Anthony Wayne and a team like Perry'sburg, where they are, you know, they plug these guys in and they look like the guys that were there last year that graduated. Um, so, you know, that's a sign of a good program in a good spot. Oh,
2: coach, not to. Not not to pat you on the back too much. Here. It's sign kind of a good program as well. Finley, we've been seeing that happen with some of the players you guys have had to replace in recent years as yeah. well. Se- seems to be becoming uh, a three-head monster over there between Anthony Wayne, Perrysburg, and Finley just being able to plug and play going forward. Away game this weekend, obviously, yep. going to Perrysburg. Yep. Oddly enough, it, great venue, but also one of those tough venues to play in, it seems like, for most teams. Can you talk about, from a coaching perspective, what makes that field just seem to be an uphill battle for anyone week in and week out?
3: Well, I, I would say, you know, I think the goal of, let's always start with home field advantage, right, how important that is, right? You guys would agree that when you go somewhere, you know, you want to protect home, right? That's always the mindset of the team. Uh, when you can incorporate an environment where um everybody is bought into the atmosphere and they understand that their role is just as important as the people that play, you know, you get quite an atmosphere that creates a very chaotic, uh, loud, um bizarre just feeling atmosphere when you're a visitor. so, I think all that that contributes to it and that's a hats off to them and what they're building. And I truly feel that what they have there is a student section and they have fans who feel like their role as. You know, as as people in the stands is to kind of create an atmosphere and create hype for uh, their football team. So that's what makes a place unique. That's what makes a place, uh, you know, exciting. you know, it, it, it's it's creating a home filled environment, and all that matters—the band, cheer, the student section, the community members—that um, that makes a place a pretty raucous place to be. And you guys know, it's like you know, watch on TV on Saturdays at certain places. You know, you go to De- you know Death Valley, you go to LSU and the Swamp, uh, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. You know, when you can create an atmosphere that's just absolutely bizarre, or rowdy, that definitely helps out and it juices up the home side so that's what i think they have going for them and uh that's that's what creates kind of that atmosphere that makes it tough to play in in some aspects
2: well i mean you you mentioned bring brings the juice you know what it's time for coach we need the message this week Need, (laughs) need to know need to know what we're looking at for the team what expectations for the fans are what what we can what we're going to be able to take away from this one Friday night. So I, I'm I'm ready. I got my helmet on. I'm ready to just <laughs> it, run through this wall. Let's do this it's,
3: thing. It's simple, man. Listen, it, it, it's just we we. it's time to go get it right. It's time to go get it. Had a setback. Right. We're still on that path to right since we still see on the other side of, you know, uh, uh, of some setbacks. Right. or some mountains that you see that, you know, you can put on there a setback here, a setback there. You know, on the other side of that is, is is what we all the hard work that we've done. And it's simply time to go out there, strap it up, and go compete. I mean, that's bottom line. I mean, and if we, our guys need motive, they need the motivation, then, you know, they're not in the right spot. We, we are, we're very fortunate to be at a program where we play in big games where people are interested in what we have and the product that we're creating and they want to see. So, man, let, let, let's, you know, the work is done. Let's go out there and go get it, right? Let's go get it. Let's go make it happen. Uh, let's finish the week strong as far as practice is concerned and once we're out there man let, let's go compete at a very high level and, and play with such a, an edge and passion and excitement um that are just hard to it's hard to unless you're on the field it's hard to it's hard for people to understand it right and you know our seniors have been talking all week long and I've heard that urgency for them man let's do it for them because at the end of the day, they are guaranteed three left. It's a Trojan, right? And then what happens after that? We don't know, but we're guaranteed this. So let's go out there. Let's go get it. Let's not wait. You know, let's not sulk. Let's not. Let's not pout. When when things come, when when things arise, let's adapt. And let's just go get it. Let's go get it. Um. You know, the mind is powerful, and uh, if we can get it, that I'm already a winner. It's already done. I just gotta go out there and actually do it. You know, what beautiful thing can come out of it? I mean, kids never know. So it's just that mindset, and let's go take care of business and go get a win.
2: Yeah, Lance, I'm not going to be able to do the game Friday night now. I am just going to be sprinting from Cleveland over to Perrysburg to play in that one. Yeah. So I don't know what else to tell you.
3: Go get it. Go get it.
1: This has been Finley High School's head football coach, Stephen Adams. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk to us. Good luck on Friday against Perrysburg.
3: Appreciate you guys as always, man.
1: With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. We come back, we'll take a look at the NFL here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. Hi, this is Don from the Classic Hits Morning Show, and I've just heard that not all roofs are created equal. Is that true?
4: That is true, Don. It's solely dependent on the people installing it. Hi, folks. This is Matt from MJ Brown Roofing Construction Company in Tiffin, Ohio. We're a family-owned company that's been in business since 1936. We're a full-service roofing contractor that have been working on both residential and commercial roofs. So no matter what type of roof you want, we have the expertise and the crews needed to install and maintain your roof for years to come. Call 419-447-5864 for a free, no-obligation inspection and quote today.
2: For over 100 years, ironworkers have been building America. Do you have what it takes to be an iron worker? Do you like to work with your hands? Do you like to be creative and solve problems? Do you like to be outdoors and don't mind getting dirty? With starting pay of $18 an hour and with medical and retirement benefits, there are ironworker jobs available in Northwest Ohio. To take your career to new heights, call the Ironworkers Local 55 Training Center at 419 382 3080. And build a better future.
1: Back we are here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM. WFOB Lance Morris, Matt common here with you. Big thanks to Kevin Harris from Midnight Midfield along with the comeback. And Awful Announcing, Pandora Gaboa Head Football Coach Matt Hershey and Finley High School's Head Football Coach Stephen Adams for all joining us today on the show. If you missed any part of our show today or just want to hear it again, head over to WFB.com, click on the podcast page. You can hear today's show and our shows and interviews from past seasons also available on iTunes as well. We're not physically at the Frickers in Finley but stop in for their daily specials tonight and get their sirloin steak dinner. Kids eat free all day, every day. Download the Frickers app to see more and to play place an order you can do so online as well at frickers.com now let's talk a little nfl take a take a look back at week number four the lions beat the packers last thursday night the chargers knock off the raiders in a battle that didn't seem like either team really wanted to win all that much The jags beat up on the falcons in london the bills beat down on the dolphins ravens beat up on the Browns. Titans do the same to the Bengals. Eagles needed overtime, but they're able to beat the Commanders. Stay still undefeated on the year. The Vikings get a win. The Texans beat the Steelers in fairly decisive fashion. The Chiefs narrowly able to get past the Jets. Seahawks just beat up on the Giants. Somehow the Giants have already played three primetime games and they're 0-3 in all of those games. What were some of your uh, big takeaways from last week in the NFL?
2: Well, First of all, how dare you not mention the best game out of the lot of them, which was my Buccaneers, the Buccaneers. and team Shake and Bake being three and one beating the Saints. Um no, honestly, my I was gonna, I was gonna is, get to that. Uh, well, I, I'll I'll touch on that briefly so that way we can go a little more in depth with it in a moment. But uh honestly, my big takeaways from this week is a lot of the uh a, a lot of the experiments with particular things. In the NFL, needs to come to an end. Uh, chief among them, Desmond Ritter, who I'm a fan of. D- Desmond Ritter is not ready to be an NFL quarterback at, at a high co- high capacity level in Atlanta. I think they need to move to Taylor Heineke or Tyler Heineke, whatever his name is. The Green Lizard. On that. Mm-hmm. yeah, I, I do. I mean, at this stage of the game, it's you're you're not heavily invested in Desmond Ritter. You have three top ten talented skill position players, a decent to okay offensive line. The offensive line is not great. That's why it's another part of me. Like, I don't want to throw in the towel on Ritter, but I think you need to move to someone else until you get it all figured out. But at the end of the day, this, this Falcons team is just too talented to have the record that they do. Whether that's Arthur Smith, whether that's Desmond Ritter, whether it's the offensive line, I don't necessarily know, but I think it might be time to end Desmond Ritter experience in Atlanta at least for this year and how Matt Eberflew still has a job in nice. Chicago is confusing and astonishing to me oh <laughs> just just to be honest I really you, you have a very talented core of players you have a good offensive line the defense may not be amazing but it's still competitive it it it's coaching you you don't have a ferrari like justin fields in your backfield at under center and run basic pro sets and stuff like that. it's just it it's not working they need to change there and so, some of the other stuff around the nfl that we're seeing too like the unfortunately for the browns dorian taylor robinson or dorian thompson robinson dtr 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 needs to ride the PINE for a little bit longer. <laughs> he was That's a tough beat for him going against the Ravens in his first career start. But no, I, some of the teams are really stepping up big. I, I think CJ Stroud is proving himself to be probably the best quarterback out of this draft this past year, which you and I were banging the drum for all offseason, that he w- should have been the top player in the draft. And it looks like Houston has themselves a franchise quarterback. and it, it just. Some of the things that you can tell teams were hoping were just going to work fine that they wouldn't address have not worked fine. And the teams that did make adjustments did make some changes. They seem to be the ones that are successful right now. So it's early in the season, just one quarter in the books ish because now we have the extra week of the regular season, but I I, I'm, I'm starting to see a lot of things that I was expecting and a few things that I'm really surprised by chief among them for Atlanta. I really thought Ritter was going to, you know, come out strong this season. I'm really surprised at how much they're struggling.
1: I do have a handful of questions I want to ask you.
2: By I, all means, fire away. I
1: I will get to those in a moment because I don't need to rant against Brandon Staley. I've already done that. I've already made my thoughts very clear on on the Chargers and Staley in general. I do want to rant though to any Browns fan out there. Maybe not oh, all oh. of them, but at least some of them.
2: You uh, guys. Hold on. Let, let me Let me let me sit back. I'm, I'm interested. Go ahead.
1: You guys, and I'll say just you guys that could be females as well, you guys whined so much about Baker Mayfield. Oh, he's not that good. We need to upgrade. We need Deshaun Watson. Well, now you guys got Deshaun Watson, and guess what? He didn't feel right. Whether he was medically cleared or not, you can debate that part if you will. But they didn't have him because in part Deshaun Watson seemingly held himself out of the game. You then can't be like, oh, well, we need a quarterback that's going to play. He didn't want to play. What is, why are we giving him all this money? He's not going to play. You don't get to have it both ways and complain about when Baker Mayfield plays through an injury and then be like, oh,
2: Baker, oh, you got to do better. I don't care that you hurt.
1: You have a quarterback who, at least seemingly, is smart enough to hold himself out and make sure he doesn't get possibly further injured. I don't, what do you guys want? Do you guys want, Patrick Mahomes ain't walking through that door. Justin Herbert ain't walking through that door. Healthy Joe Burrow
2: ain't walking through that door. What do you want? I'm done. Do you feel better? A little. So I can answer that question for you. Because the Cleveland fan base, and I say this, I say this as a as a Clevelander, as a fan of Cleveland sports, that it's I I've ne- i at no point been a fan of the Deshaun Watson trade, and anyone who asks me about it, I I will just say candidly it's it was the the amount that they had to give up right I I've said time and time again the last thing I want is the Cleveland Browns to be this generation's Herschel Walker trade, just to call it as it is right now that is absolutely looking like it's the case. CJ Stroud looks like he's the real deal. I know that was the Texans actual pick, but Will Anderson is making a strong case for defensive rookie of the year. They were able to build with their team last year in that draft and use that draft capital to move things around the Cleveland Browns. I give Deshaun Watson a lot of credit that is with the amount of money that is in that contract for him to not give into the pressure when it's an in, when it's a injury and a shoulder issue with his throwing shoulder, the same similar situation to what was happening with Baker. I give him a lot of credit actually for saying, no, I can't go. And if I try to push myself, this is just going to make things worse. I respect that. I actually do respect that. The Browns fan base though, they want Bernie Kozar to magically come out of retirement and be 25 again. Like th- this is the problem I have with the Cleveland Browns fandom and I am among them so this is a, a self-critiquing complaint it has been so long for this franchise to have had anything meaningful at the quarterback position and during that time they watched Peyton Manning turn around a 3 and 13 Indianapolis Colts they've watched Ben Roethlisberger turn around a 4 and 12 Steelers squad they've watched Tom Brady come off of the bench and become the great one of the greatest of all time seeing Cam Newton turn around the Panthers, all these high pick quarterbacks immediately turn things around. They just assume, well, it's just the quarterback. It's clearly just the quarterback. It's not. All those teams, Cam Newton comes out, he had Steve Smith to throw to. Right. He had Jordan Gross and Luke Kuechly on his defense and offensive lines. He had a ton of talent around. Peyton Manning had Edger James, Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne. Those are three Hall of Famers. That went with him. Tom Brady is—he uh, might be the only exception of this rule because <laughs> it turns out the Patriots can't do diddly squat without him. <laughs> The—the <But, laughs> the point being, all these players came in to establish situations, were given the time and were given the resources around them. The Browns fan base expects a quarterback to come in, throw for 550 yards and 17 touchdowns every game. They win everything. They get to rub it in every other fan base's face of, see, we got our quarterback, because they're tired of getting made fun of, they're tired of being belittled, and they're tired of being treated like they don't know what they're doing. But the fact of the matter is, the Browns at quarterback have not known what they're doing for a while, because the Cleveland Browns front office, year in and year out, makes the one unbelievable mistake that a f- organization should not do. They listen to their fan base. We need a quarterback. Well, this homeless guy on the street told us to draft Johnny Manziel and everyone seems to like Johnny Manziel, so we're drafting Johnny Manziel. We need a quarterback. Well, Brady Quinn had a picture when he was in Sandusky once wearing a Bernie Kosar jersey. Let's draft him. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, in all sincerity, may actually have been So far, since the Browns came back in 99, the most successful quarterback the team has had. I don't think think that I don't I don't think there's a May there. Yeah, he is. It's just as simple as that. He is. He won the he's the quarterback who's won their only playoff win since they've returned. He was part of a big turnaround. Baker Mayfield, the only reason he started going sideways was because we had an aging Odell Beckham. We didn't really have a tight end established. The offensive line was still kind of suspect. And he played hurt because Baker Mayfield wouldn't check himself out because he wanted to be the hero, which is probably his one flaw. He plays hero ball. Yeah. Kind of thing. And the fans hated him for it, but the fans didn't hate him for it. The fans hated that he wasn't throwing for 500 yards and three touchdowns. The fans still hated him for planting that flag at Ohio Stadium when he was at Oklahoma. The Cleveland fan base, and I again, I say this as a Cleveland fan base member, are some of the pettiest, most grudge-holding fans in professional sports, and they're not going to have success as a fan base until they move past that sort of stuff. Like I've, I've been seeing on Twitter the past couple of days, people calling for Deshaun Watson's head, people calling for Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Berry's head. I mean, you you can make an argument for some of it, but it's week four, people. And you're two and two, and you haven't lost to necessarily bad opponents. I mean, Pittsburgh, that loss is kind of looking bad, but at the same time, you had a devastating injury happen in that game with Nick Chubb. No one was going to play good after that. It was just a matter of surviving that week. The Ravens game, yeah, that was a pretty decisive loss, but you're without your starting quarterback. There was a lot of other players that were not 100%, and the running game without Nick Chubb is just not there. It just isn't. So I I don't know what the fan base wants besides Bernie Cozart to magically come back, Schottenheimer to be the coach again, and Beiner and Kevin Mack in the backfield. But we don't have a time machine. You don't have a time machine. You have to live with the team that you have. Is the Deshaun Watson trade starting to look kind of bad? Not going to lie, yes, It, it is starting to look bad because now they're sitting here talking, oh, we can trade this and this to get Jonathan Taylor. You're not getting Jonathan Taylor for the third round pick that you have. You're just not. You're not getting Jerry Judy from the Broncos or Patrick Sertan to bring him in defensively for a third round pick. You guys put all of your draft capital on the only position that was missing was quarterback. You have to ride it out. And for the fan base to be aggressive about it and negative about it, saying, oh, we got to get rid of the GM, we got to get rid of the head coach. I'm sorry, after the trade that they've made, you have to ride this out until the end of Deshaun's contract at this point. I, I think if I'm Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry, I feel I have job security until that contract's up. It's as simple as that. And for, for the fan base, I know they're frustrated and they're very overreactionary, but at the end of the day, this is kind of the bed that got made from the moves that they've been making. It's you you have issues on the offensive line. No one told you to draft Jed Willis at number 10. Tristan Wirfs was right there too. And Tristan Wirfs was actively linked to the Browns. No one told you to invest more free agent capital on linebackers as opposed to defensive linemen last year it's the 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 browns have built themselves up the way they got to the way they thought they needed to be they gotta ride it out so for all the fans out there freaking out this just chill just chill out you ain't winning the super bowl in week four and you ain't losing the super bowl in week four either and if if for all these people that are now so magically vocal about oh my god we gave up so much for deshaun watson Fed all the money in my pockets, so those are the same ones that said, wow, we got Deshaun Watson for a steal. So it's it's an issue I've had with the Cleveland fan base for years. They're a they're a fun group, they're a rowdy group, and they are some of the most diehard fans out there, but man, they will turn on a team or a player or a part of the organization as fast as anyone else in the league. It's just it's insane.
1: This is the NW Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Hammond, talking some NFL, and let's let's look at some of the questions I wanted to actually ask you before we went on off off on uh, off on the little Browns tangent. In
2: the, well, we, I think we both need to get that off of our oh. chest because the Browns fans they're such a diehard, loyal group. You want to see them be successful, but then they get in their own way every god blessed time. It's just it's infuriating. Yeah. So in let's let's stick in the AFC for the moment
1: are the Bills that much better than the Dolphins or is that just kind of how that game just went?
2: The Bills and Dolphins is a textbook example of what happens when one team does something really well that the other team is terrible at. It's just simple. It, it, the, the Bills versus Dolphins is just a matchup thing. And once Mike McDaniel figures out that matchup, I think it's going to be a better outcome for the Dolphins. But I, I'll say this much. I know with the Chiefs and all of that, it's I being good and having the year that they are having. I think whoever wins the AFC East is going to be the AFC champions this year. I mean, Buffalo looks legit. Miami just looks incredible. It's just a matter of which one of those two wins it and makes it to the championship game against Kansas City. It, it's But both teams look really good, so I think that was just more of a matchup than anything else but the AFC East is very alive and well with those two teams.
1: Who's actually the best team in the AFC South, or do you have no idea as well?
2: I think the best team in the AFC South is, you know. You know. I mean, you, you know. It, man, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. Like, Like, I want to say Jacksonville. Like, I feel like that's the right answer. But if Derrick Henry's starting to come back, maybe it's the Titans, but then again, they still have Ryan Tannehill, so it's not the Titans. Anthony Richardson looks incredible in Indianapolis, but at the same time, the rest of his supporting staff kind of looks like they were pulled from the stands outside of Michael Pittman Jr. (laughs) So I don't know if it's the Colts. The Texans have been a laughingstock for so long. I don't even think they're considered part of the conversation, but CJ Stroud just torched the first quarter of the NFL season, Damian Pierce looks to be the real deal. The defense is actually listening to Demeco Ryan's. It's so maybe it's a t- oh, look. Let's put it this way: that's probably going to be a, con- a division that has like four, either eight and nine or nine and eight teams. Yeah, and I would, I guess, I'd say it this way: I wouldn't want to play any of them in the wild card. So, like, I don't know. It, one of them's going to have to break away at some point, but for the time being. Kind of crazy, man.
1: (laughs) Flipping over to the NFC, aside from injuries, can you tell me why it would not be one of the Eagles, Cowboys, or Niners that represent the NFC in the Super Bowl?
2: I can absolutely tell you why. If the Tampa Bay Buccaneers actually trade for a legitimate running back. Okay, let's let's, let's assume for the sake of the argument they do not. Let's assume for the sake of the argument they do not, then it's absolutely going to be 49ers Eagles in the NFC title game. I don't think Dallas can keep up with either one of those teams. I think scheme wise, they it's a mismatch. Dallas does look good, but by the same token, Dallas also got humbled by the Cardinals. Right. So for my money, it's either Eagles or 49ers. But I could legitimately see a team like um, honestly, again, like Tampa Bay. I mean, the fact they're three and one with the one of the worst running games in the NFL. I think if any validity or smoke or any fire to the smoke that I'm starting to see and that you're seeing online about potentially Saquon Barkley being on the market and that Tampa is one of the top landing spots for him, if they can pull that trade, I think Tampa suddenly moves into the conversation again, just because of how they've been performing. But uh, until a move like that is made, uh, I think it's San Francisco or Philly. I wouldn't sleep on Detroit either. They definitely seem like they're a good contender. I just don't know if they have the horses to keep up with San Francisco or Philly. That That's, they're a very good team. They, Dave Montgomery looks good. Uh, Jameson Williams, once he comes back and Amon Ross, St. Brown, they have really good skill position players and I love their offensive line. I just don't trust Jared Goff all that much in those types of situations. So I, that's probably why I don't have Detroit listed higher on that list, but we'll see. It's honestly, I think outside of the top two teams of Philly and San Francisco, the NFC is completely wide open this year.
1: Kind of answered my next two questions because I was going to ask you about the Bucks and the Lions, but you basically wrapped all that into one. So good job by you.
2: Well, well go ahead. I, I'm, I'm fascinated. I want. I can add more depth to those if need be. Oh, I was just going to ask: Are both of those
1: teams for real?
2: Yes. Do I think they're legitimate Super Bowl contenders as of this point? Maybe not, but they are for real. Look, they're both three and one. There's no way to say they're not for real at this point. Uh, Dan Campbell has certainly built a team of kneecap biters up there in Detroit. I I would kind of allude to it like anyone who plays Navy in college football, it's that next week you're going to be banged up, bruised, and sore just because they're going to make you go all four quarters. Detroit's kind of the same way and, and Tampa, I mean, you, you are legitimately seeing a Geno Smith esque resurgence out of Baker Mayfield. And I give all the credit in the world to their new OC, uh, David Canales, who was there in Seattle last year and had been working with Geno Smith. So I, I think it, that that's a testament to that. Their defense look good. They have some injury issues that they need to address in the secondary, but outside of that, they look competitive. Um, yeah, I, th- I think both teams are definitely the real deal. I think each of them are maybe a piece away from being a legitimate Super Bowl contender this season and going forward. And I I expect them to be buyers at the trade deadline because of that. I, I think Detroit, if you can pull in just some additional interior defensive line help, I think they could become very dangerous. And for Tampa, I I they're running back away. R- Rashad White has not been the guy. Sean Tucker, great inspirational story, doesn't seem to be really ready to make the jump to the NFL. Keyshawn Vaughn, who I think is a very talented running back, but for reasons that defy common sense has been in the doghouse with Tampa Bay ever since they drafted him. So I I think if they go get a top tier running back, maybe they're in the Jonathan Taylor discussion, maybe Saquon Barkley. It's if they go get one of those guys, I think they're legit contenders and for Detroit I think they could be legit as well the
1: teams that made a deal for the top pick in last year's draft are still some of the worst in football with the Panthers and the Bears which uh which of those situations would you say is worse at least for this season for this season yes
2: pass (laughs) (laughs) I mean, look, both situations are bad, but for different reasons. Carolina's bad because they gutted and it's borderline an expansion team. I mean, Akeem Ikuanu at left tackle, he's good, but he's right into what I refer to as the Joe Thomas problem. He's blocking three or four guys a play, which is making him look not good and covering for the fact the offensive line is atrocious. Bryce Young seems to be efficient, but he also doesn't have any legitimate skill position players around him with respect to given to Adam Thielen and some of the receivers and tight ends they brought in Carolina made the most hodgepodge skills position set I've ever seen for an NFL team around a rookie quarterback but I think that's pretty fixable because they do have a lot of cap space and Obviously, they don't have a first-round pick, which I would imagine Bryce Young would love to be Marvin Harrison Jr., but right now, that belongs to the Bears at the top of the draft. So, I, I think for this season, Carolina is probably the better of the two bad situations. Chicago is a hot mess until they fire Matt Eberflus, and frankly... They need to explore seriously getting whatever trade capital they can out of Justin Fields as well. I think Justin Fields is a great quarterback. I think he will be a phenomenal quarterback in the NFL and has that potential. I think they've done such an atrocious job building around him that whoever comes in next does need to blow it up. And the likelihood is that they will have anywhere. They'll have the number one pick, but they could have one and two or one anywhere from one and two through five. I don't think Carolina is going to be better than a top five pick. You have to use that to build foundational pieces. Is that Caleb Williams? I personally don't think it is. That's just my opinion on Caleb Williams. I think he's aggressively overhyped, but I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is the real deal. I think Dallas Turner from Alabama or Jared verse could immediately improve their defensive line. so for this season itself, carolina is the better situation if you were to ask me next year who i'd rather be i'd rather be the bears but they could also just easily blow it up and frankly again both situations are bad both situations are just dog ugly right now and i don't see them getting much much better but carolina has a lot easier paths to make things better
1: this is the nwo orthopedics sports Huddle from the fricker studios lance morris matt common talking nfl now let's take our attention to week number five, Thursday, if you're watching Bears versus Commanders, you're either a fan of one of these two teams or a degenerate gambler. There is no in-between.
2: Sunday. Sir, <laughs> sir, sir. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Sir. Well, I'm not a fan of either one of them, so I guess I am a degenerate gambler. But I do <laughs> want to watch that game. Mostly, here's the thing. Sam Howell and the Commanders' offense, were actually seeing the Eric Bieniemy effect. I... They may not be great, but I honestly think they're kind of fun to watch. And against a terrible Bears team, it could be a highlight real kind of night. But I'm sorry. Please continue.
1: Anyhow, Sunday we have Jags, Bills over in Europe. We have Titans, Colts, Ravens, Steelers, Eagles, Rams, Bengals, Cardinals, Chiefs, Vikings, Cowboys, 49ers is the Sunday night football game and the Packers play the Raiders on Monday. What are you looking forward to seeing?
2: Well, obviously that Cowboys 49ers game. That's that's the unquestioned game of the week. Um, Really no other choice besides that one. But if I'm going to throw one out there, I am curious about that Arizona game. I really am. Cause I think someone forgot to tell Arizona they were supposed to tank this year. <laughs> like you kind of get that vibe that they might, accidentally be good and not tank still not gonna be great they're not gonna make the postseason or anything but I, i'm kind of curious to see what they do in that matchup i think it'll be interesting um i am legitimately curious to watch commanders versus chicago not because i'm a glutton for punishment i really do mm-hmm. want to see if eric Bieniemy can just turn any quarterback around because sam howe looked rough at different points last year but he's actually been pretty decent in this offense so I I mean if he can turn that around I think the enemy sets himself up to be a head coach somewhere next year um again Dallas versus San Francisco that's just a clash of Titans right there but another game I am very much paying attention to that Raiders game only because I think if that one goes sideways that organization has hit such a level of dysfunction I think we see Josh McDaniels get fired midway through another coaching tenure At this point, because he has just been an unmitigated disaster for the Raiders thus far. So I'm I'm watching that one because I want to see. I I want to see if this is the week that we start to see coaches get the heave ho. I I think if Chicago loses to Washington, I think they give Eberflus the the door. Same thing with the Raiders. I think if that's an ugly game, I'm not entirely sure Josh McDaniels makes it to week six. So we'll see it, 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 there are some good games out there. There's some interesting ones, but really we're, we're just trying to find storylines until the Dallas San Francisco game starts. It's just as simple as that.
1: I'll just about do it for us here tonight. A big thanks to Kevin Harris from meet at midfield along with the awful, along with the comeback and awful announcing Pandora Gabella head football coach Matt Hershey and Finley High School's head football coach Stefan Adams for all joining us on our show today and for my broadcast partner Matt and This is Lance Morris signing off for this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Thanks for listening. Catch you in the next one.